Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. These are the most specialist shows of 2022, right? Specialist. The most specialist. Yeah. Because the band is back together, all four of us who originally started the program back in 2017 now, five years ago, six years ago, we started Gospel for Life. We did a conference together in 2020, or sorry, in 2017, marking the 500-year anniversary of the uh, Mm -hmm. Protestant Reformation, and you guys have been stuck with me since. But things are shifting. <coughs> things are shifting. Things are shifting. Change is not always yeah. bad. No, change yeah. is not always bad. Uh, Pastor Phil announced his retirement. We talked about that a little bit on yesterday's program. I'm going to step away because I have some priorities at church. We're launching a school in the fall of 2023, God willing. And, and so we're talking a little bit about not only vocation in general, but vocation when it comes to pastoral ministry. So yesterday we talked about the call to pastoral ministry. We talked a little bit about the course of pastoral ministry, that it's not all mountain top experiences sometimes it's Mm -hmm. in the valley of the shadow of death and then today we're going to talk a little bit about the completion of pastoral ministry so let me frame the discussion i remember when monica and i first got married uh, we were in the first church that we were at and the pastor talked about how the average span that a pastor is in ministry is five years five years now i don't know if that has changed and i don't know like what pool he was well, yeah and, you know. and depending on uh, the denomination there are some that are have shorter tenures yeah and, and some maybe that have longer tenures but i i know from experience i have a number of friends that went into ministry we were we were together at a bible college you know is where we first mm-hmm. entered into that thought of wanting to serve in that capacity but a number of them have uh, since completed ministry, some of them, you know, I, you know, one of my friends uh, went and planted a church in Twin Falls, and he's been there ever since. And we're talking 1987 to now. Mm-hmm. Um, but another, but others, you know, went into ministry, and within a few years, they've left ministry and gone on to do other things. So they either. Maybe that wasn't the call that God had on their life at the time. Some of them have left under uh, difficult search circumstances. Some just decided uh, to do vocation in uh, secular employments. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. I mean, and I think you're already kind of going in the direction that I that I envision. But what are some of the reasons why a pastor would maybe start? And then, and then be done within five years. Now, I've, I've been doing it for seven years, and I love my job, even in the valley of the shadow of death, and I can't imagine doing something else. But I, I will say, in 2017, this is where I really started beginning getting counsel from you, Jonathan. I remember I was like between a rock and a hard place. Like, I could not go on. Like, the ministry was so hard, I could not go on, but I was too ashamed to quit. 
And I was just in this place where I was like, how do I even move? How do I even get up off the ground in the morning? How do I continue to write sermons when my heart is totally broken on Saturdays? Like, how do you even do that? So how do, how do, how does a, so we're talking to pastors, you know, how, how do we, how do we complete the ministry? Well, I, I know that there, you know, there are many times when I've reflected on the fact that uh, Jesus calls Peter to feed his sheep. And so I would be asking God on the sheep's behalf to feed mm-hmm. them on a set, you know, as I'm working up uh, sermons. But uh, I mentioned to you guys off air when I, when I entered into ministry, I had read an article. It was actually in the Idaho Statesman from Cagliari, Spain. It was about this shepherd who had been conscripted into service for 15 years by some employer that uh, left him with sheep for 15 years, and he gets his first sheepless night in bed after he's been rescued, and first hot meal in 15 years, and he, he... that night he's asking, who will take care of my sheep? And I think that what happens is we get this burden, not only for the office, but we get a burden for those people that uh, God has called us to. You know, we're, we're told what we watch over their souls as those who must give an account. And so that's always on our mind. We give an account to God. <coughs> we're going to give an account to God for how we, we served in that capacity. And I think that that's probably one of the things that keeps us going is recognizing uh, that not only this is not something I chose necessarily, but this was mm-hmm. chosen for me and called, and I was called to it. And yeah. Martin Lloyd Jones used to say, you know, I think he said it in his book Preachers and Preaching. He talked about if you can do something else, do it. Um, mm-hmm. There, there is a certain constraint that comes on him on ministry itself that yeah. that uh, well i think that's what i felt like i i couldn't go on because i was so beat up but i couldn't quit mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. i was compelled to the work right and and yeah. lloyd jones knew that i mean he was he, he was uh he was a minister to royalty i mean he was a he had actually entered into service first as a physician and he was a physician to um you know the king you know and and uh there was a, a time when he felt <coughs> called to, to ministry, and he went to a little church in Wales in his first pastorate. And he's probably one of the greatest preachers you'll ever read, mm-hmm. um, but there was a constraint for him. I mean, he had a, he was a very good physician, mm-hmm. yeah. but there was that constraint. There's a sense in, in pastoral ministry that once you have received that call that your work is then that for your life, that, that that is your call upon your life. And that, you know, the, the servant who has his hand for, to the plow and, and looks back is, is not fit. And so I think there is a sense that once you're along that, once you sense that God has directed you into pastoral ministry, that is, that is now the direction of your life. Um, but I think Josh is right that there are different difficulties that come along. Um, unfortunately, there are those that... Um, disqualify themselves mm-hmm. for ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are those that just struggle. Um, the ministry becomes hard. Um, like Josh is describing, I mean, God has called different people with different personalities, different tendencies. And depending on what those personalities and tendencies are, it creates um, greater difficulty for some than others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh and I, great friends, love each other dearly, but we do not have similar personalities. Yeah, 
And so things that might be hard for Josh are not necessarily hard for me and vice versa. And so that means that ministry looks different. I don't want to speak for Josh, but he's going to maybe be more affected by criticism. Yeah. And that's going to be harder for my him. Thin, my skin is pretty thin sometimes. <laughs> and, and so that creates unique challenges for him that yeah. might not be true for me. Yeah. But I'm going to have unique challenges that are, that are based upon my own temperament, my own mm. personality that Josh isn't mm-hmm. going to struggle with. And so as you think about those that are in pastoral ministry, this is why it's so important to pray for them and to pray specifically for the pastors that are in your life and say, you know, I might not always know all of their struggles, all of their difficulties, all of their tendencies that might make ministry harder, but continue to uphold them in in prayer and send notes of encouragement mm-hmm. that are specific to that as you've come to know your shepherd that would be an encouragement to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So not everybody is a pastor, obviously, and this is the gospel for life, but there are some principles of pastoral ministry that also apply to, you know, general vocations. And we were talking about this off the air. So I'm, I'm a lay person. Let's imagine, how do I know when, when one vocation is ending and another one is opening up. Are there are there principles? Should I? We were talking about with our producer as well. Should I be an engineer or should I be a teacher? How do I know when this? You were a teacher before you took on the ministry. You were a car salesman at one point. That might have well, been overlapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that was in between uh, pastors. But <laughs> how yeah. do I know when one when when this, this door is closing and this door is opening mm-hmm. up? Well, I, you know, you mentioned selling cars. My, my wife used to say, you know, you didn't grind your teeth at night when you were a pastor, you know, and I, I and she perceptibly knew that the pastoral ministry was much harder than a, a, a car salesman. But there, but I, I felt like I did that probably because I was, God hadn't fit me to do that. That was, in one sense, that was an occupation that I carried my vocation into. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. but but you know, um, circumstances make it um, important for people to be willing to change. Sometimes it's a you know there are financial situations that families get into, and and you have to pursue a you know a better job. Yeah. Um, there's you know certainly places where all of a sudden the the company collapses and you have to go out and you know so circumstances can press us into that but they can open up doors um i think that sometimes people feel limited you know they may have a desire to do something but they have no encouragement from anybody else to do that mm-hmm. uh, they've been de- beat down and discouraged by oh you could never be a, you could never be that and yet that's their desire so i think that you know what plays into it i think we ought to encourage people you know god gives us desires for a reason you know we're to, you know if we if we delight ourselves in the lord we're told that he gives us the desires of our heart those desires are not necessarily false things right mm-hmm. i would say anytime you're facing a decision i think you you have three categories that should help one you should go to god's word and find the principles of god's word that apply to the situation that you're talking about if you're moving from one job to another 
it might not be that one is right or wrong. It might just be how does it affect other callings in your life? How does it affect your ability to be the husband or wife that you need to be, the parent that you need to be, the church member that you need to be? So look for, for principles that are there. Second, I think prayer is essential. But I'm not saying prayer as far as you're, like you're, you're not asking, get a light bulb from <clears throat> No, that. really what you're praying is that your motives would be pure, that you would be honest, that you would be the person, the char- have the character that God would want you to, to, to have and manifest in this process of trying to discern. And then third, I think it, it's really about seeking godly counsel, finding wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times we get locked into this idea that it's something that we have to do ourselves. No, go to other people in your life that have mm-hmm. greater wisdom more insight, have walked further down the path, and 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 seek counsel. Mm-hmm. Lay down on a piece of paper. These are the the pros and cons of each. Yeah, and you might not be able to be objective, but somebody in your life can. Mm-hmm. So go and seek that godly counsel and wisdom that that somebody can offer and help ask questions of you to try to get behind your motives and and the desires and other things that might be hindering you in the decision-making process. Absolutely. So there's a book called uh, Masculine Mandate, Richard Phillips, super mm-hmm. great book. Mm-hmm. Helps men especially know which vocation they are fit for. And by the way, there's vocations of fatherhood and motherhood and church member and child. But on the, the question of occupation, he, he basically gives these principles. Does this prospective uh, occupation glorify God? Because there's some that don't. Mm-hmm. Does this prospective uh, vocation allow me to love my neighbor and serve them? Does it provide for my needs financially, for my family? Do I enjoy it? Am, am I able to do this? And, and th- those principles are going to like mark a lot off your list right away. Right. 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 Well, we have enjoyed being with you today. These are the specialist programs, the most specialist <laughs> programs of the year. So please tune in tomorrow. We're going to wrap up some of our end of year reflections and uh, we'll see you next time.